Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The following contest is scheduled for 60 minutes. Give me a hell yeah! Oh my god! The rain just exploded! I apologize, you son of a bubbly! I'm better than you, and you know it. TLC pay-per-view that was. We have just witnessed a man, you can call him a man, being burnt alive. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that was the main event of TLC. And we're going to get straight into it. Hello, welcome to Monday Night Gore. I am Mr. Andy Goldman, being joined, same as last week, by Mr. Robbie Edwards. Connor, unfortunately, cannot be with us once again uh, this week, as he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about any of you. No, I'm joking. He's, he's, he's working, unfortunately. He has work commitments, but he'll be back. Very, very soon, we hope. But, uh, Robbie, I have your company tonight, the pleasure of your company. And before we went on the air, we said, wow, what an amazing show that was. No less because of the main event, which we, I think we both agree was magnificent. What was your feeling on the main event and the overall show? I, I tweeted yesterday saying I am so excited for this pay-per-view and it lived up to the hype. And the, my favourite WWE pay-per-view of the year Arguably my favourite WWE pay-per-view since I've started watching it. I, it rivals AEW and NXT pay-per-views. I just thought it was brilliant. And the, the car going into it was immense. And every match, I thought, was of the highest, highest standard. Of course, the wrestling was brilliant. There were shocks on the card. There were surprises. And then a man, well, not a man, someone died <laughs> on the card as well. So it was just incredible. And obviously, it's all doom and gloom at the moment. The virus. I'm not particularly enjoying my football at the moment because my beloved Sutherland are a bit of a mess. But... I needed cheering up with some wrestling, and boy, did TLC give me something to celebrate. And so I've even cracked open a few of the beers. Well, not beers, Strongwear Dark Fruits, but for those oh, listening, I'm going to pretend I'm drinking the, the Fosters and Carlsberg like a proper man. <laughs> but yeah, Christmas came early for me, Andy. I absolutely loved TLC. Loved every minute of it, and can't wait to dissect it with you now. Good stuff. And it was the 12th TLC pay-per-view uh, in history. It was the very last pay-per-view of 2020. As you mentioned, Rob, a, a pretty crappy year. But this was one way of setting up 2021 in a fantastic way. I love this pay-per-view from start to finish. I'll tell you why. It was only three hours long. Now, I know we criticise Raw for being three hours long, but it's different with a pay-per-view because it is mainly just wrestling content, which is what you want to see. It doesn't get buffed out with loads of unnecessary segments. It was just pure storytelling wrestling uh, from start to finish, which I loved. Uh, each match had its own individual story. Each match was completely different to the previous one, which I liked. And of course, like you mentioned, Robbie saw shocks, and no shock was bigger than the main event. Usually on this show, Robbie, when we're going through a pay per view, we like to go through it uh, bit by bit, you know, in order chronologically. Not this time. Uh, we're going to start straight with the main event. Randy Orton taking on the Fiend Bray Wyatt in the first ever Firefly Inferno match. Wow, we have seen a man murder. Another man. That's basically what we have seen. We've seen a murder take place on live TV. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. I liked it. You know, we talk about Raw later on. The USA Network has allegedly said to Raw, we want to see more adult content on your program. That is, that could be a direct message to USA saying, all right, then I'll set a man on fire. And that's what happened. Uh, Randy Orton surprisingly went over in this match. And uh, if you said that to us at the start of the show, Robbie, that Randy would beat The Fiend in the main event, I think we'd have been a bit like, really? But... The way it happened, the, the visuals on show, the fire, the story, it was magnificent. What did you make of the main event? 
Well, I was surprised it was main event. To start with going into it, I expected Reigns and Owens to be main event, simply because of the Roman Reigns element. But when I saw it was going to be The Fiend, Orton, you kind of guessed some shit was going to go down. And boy, did some shit go down in this. I don't really know how to describe it. Andy, a man was killed. <laughs> it just, I felt it was a per- perfect way to, well, I don't think this is the end of this feud to start with. I, I mean, I don't know how they can end it. Well, Bray Wyatt is dead. So I suppose the feud should really end there. But as we saw on Twitter, he decided to then tweet three hours afterwards. But we won't go into that. I, I won't break the, the beautiful image they've created. But yeah, it was an in, just an incredible use of visuals. They took advantage of the fact that fans weren't there to put on an incredible show, I think, and something simply unique that we hadn't seen before in wrestling. And I just think it added a whole new element to the Fiend's character and summed up a really deeply personal feud between the two. I enjoyed it from start to finish, but the ending was just brutal. The RKO he delivered was absolutely savage. I mean, Fiend was on fire at that point. And then it just, the voices inside his head, Andy, oh, I would hate to have those voices on my head. They make me do some very sick things. And they made him do a very sick thing at TLC last night by setting Bray Wyatt on fire and killing him. Hmm. Killing him. Because I almost survived that. The man was set ablaze and left to die in the middle of the WWE ring. I'm laughing. It's not really that funny. <laughs> because he was bad alive. But I, murder, I, really. I, in those moments, I would have loved to be there watching with you and Connor. Because yeah. I think our reactions would just be hilarious to see. Obviously, we couldn't, but it was a, it was a brilliant moment, and it was a fantastic way to end the pay per view because we've seen some brilliant wrestling, but it ended on such a unique note, and it makes me excited for Monday Night Raw, which I'm not usually excited for. Mm. I'm sure Raw will still be quite shit because it usually is, but at least I'm going into it with some excitement for once, and that's as a result of brilliant, brilliant work from WWE. So I hold my hands up and I applaud Vince and the creative artists of the degree because they put on a hell of a show and ended that paper in brilliant fashion. I'm glad you mentioned the, the reaction though that we had to the main event because I remember at the start when Mike Rome was doing the rules you cannot win by pinfall or submission the only way to win is to set your opponent on fire I just laughed I laughed because I thought wow <laughs> wrestling how what a ridiculous notion I've seen Inferno matches before but it's just the concept is funny mm-hmm. but actually when you strip it back and you watch the match it was actually incredibly sinister and you started to really fear for the likes of Orton and and uh, and Wyatt, and I think what they also did very well was that was visually it was hard to tell who was going to win that match because when Randy Orton came out initially, and he wasn't wearing his usual ring gear, he was actually wearing uh, you know tracky bottoms, he was wearing his hoodie. I thought, okay, he's probably going to lose here because they've got some sort of special uh, padding or protective you know fireproof trousers that you can wear. Uh, but as the match was going on, I thought, hang on a minute something else could happen here. I noticed Bray didn't take his jacket off ever. His jacket was remained on the whole time. So I thought, okay, they're giving us both here. I don't know which way this one's going to go. And I really couldn't call it. And the visual image of Bray Wyatt, the back of him on fire, as he saw Randy in the ring and ran towards him at full pelt on fire, was one of the best images I've seen in a very long time. Maybe even ever seen. I mean, we've seen Inferno matches before. The first one was Kane versus Undertaker way back in the day. Undertaker won by throwing Kane into the fire and his arm sort of caught fire and Kane ran to the back where I'm sure he's very quickly extinguished. This was something totally different. This was, this was next level anarchy and shithousery and I loved every single second of it. And yeah, as you rightly have repeated, Rob, uh, he, he was murdered by Randy Orton. <laughs> 
seems to have a real hard on for setting people on fire. He set the Undertaker on fire back yeah. in the day. He set Bray Wyatt's house on fire a couple of years ago. Now he's actually set Bray on fire, uh, just 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 openly in the middle of a ring. Imagine being one of the referees. Uh, oh, I, I, I'd just like to uh, send my deepest condolences to Jojo and Bray Wyatt's child, who no longer Indeed. has a Fathers. father anymore. But um, despite obviously losing the match and dying, I still feel Bray Wyatt coming. <laughs> I still feel Bray Wyatt coming. I shouldn't laugh, but I do. It's not laughing. I, I think it's brilliant, but yeah. it's just so. It's just as you said, wrestling, and the yeah. only wrestling can do stuff like this. But I feel, despite obviously losing the match, Bray Wyatt still comes out of it looking absolutely I sick. Agree. Yeah, and I feel in the long term he will still go over because I feel like they're going to go down the route of you could set him alight. But the fiend is more than just a person; and it's more of an entity. So we go down that route, which would just make it even sicker than it already is. And I don't have an issue with the feuds going on longer. To be honest, Andy, I was disappointed. If anything, that we only had about four weeks of build for the match at TLC, but it seems as though we're going to get even longer with the two working together, which I don't have an issue with at all. Andy, if they decide to go down that route, so nothing but the tip of my hat. Andy, I expected Reigns Owens, but this was rightfully main yeah. event just because it's one of those moments that we will look back on years time. So I remember that. Yeah, Someone absolutely. Died. Very, <laughs> very memorable. And I, yeah, no one could have followed that match. You couldn't have had that match on safe. No, 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 no. Couldn't exactly. have happened. The the, the sheer uh, enormity of the situation. Uh, a quick question on the fiend himself. Um, aside from the fact that he he's dead. Uh, do you actually see, because The Undertaker, of course, he's been buried alive. He was set on fire as well back in the day, and he always came back. I suppose The Fiend is a similar character in his supernaturalness. Do you think then that The Fiend will just come back, or will Bray Wyatt end The Fiend gimmick and maybe come up with a new one? Because I don't think we've seen enough oh. of The Fiend yet. I still want to see more yeah. of it. Do you reckon that was The Fiend being put to bed, or do you just think it was another way of just selling the idea that The Fiend is something completely I would have thought anything? selling selling the gimmick more. I'd be disappointed if that was the end of The Fiend. It'd be interesting to see if they like keep him off television for a bit or he just reappears on Raw. Interesting mm. to see how that plays out. But again, I'm intrigued to see how they do that on Monday Night Raw. I imagine Randy will come out and cut some badass promo saying how he's an absolute machine. Because the image of him at the end putting his signature move with the flames going off around him was, was incredible. And it, it was brilliant. But yeah, I'd be disappointed if they just chucked the sides fiend gimmick i don't see why because you only have to ask fans who watch wrestling to know how much everyone loves it and obviously yeah they've kind of butchered it along the road but they've put a lot of investment into it again over the last few months it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me to just get rid of it but who knows vince mcmahon does strange things at times so he may just go down that route but i would be extremely disappointed if they did that really would be Quick word on Randy before we move on. He's surely been the MVP of 2020. Just everything he's been involved in has worked. You could say the whole Drew feud ran its course and maybe didn't need the world title victory. But when you look at it objectively, he's had a monumental 2020. Um, and this just surely raises his stock going into 2021. What can you see him doing in the future? Well, of course, we'll get on to the Royal Rumble as it, as it comes. It has been confirmed for Sunday, uh, the 31st of January. So that's, that's nailed in. Um, could you see him going for a world title or do you like him being involved in these mini feuds sort of going every few months? He doesn't, he doesn't need a world title, Andy. If it's Randy Orton at the end of the day, he can work with just about everyone. Um, in terms of the future, in the back of my mind, it is always that um, third match with Edge, whenever yeah. that would take place. I think we all want to see that, but that should be safe for when we get crowds, whenever that will be. I mean, 
possibly WrestleMania, you might have a degree of a crowd, but we just can't be sure this current situation. But he can work with anyone, Andy. Putting over young talent, of course, is perhaps a route he goes. He could, he could go down, and I'm sure he's probably keen on doing that, putting over younger talent. But he's capable of putting on a show, Randy. As you said, Andy, everything that everything he's done this year has worked. The Drew McIntyre stuff, yes, it did drag out a bit for me, but that's not his fault. I still think he did a phenomenal job throughout it, despite it going on way longer than it needed to. So, yeah, the future is still bright for Randy Orton. He can still go, despite, obviously, being around since 2002, I think, as his debut. Right. So, he's still got so much left in the tank. So, the future's only bright. And he deserves immense credit for the work he's done this year, and especially since the pandemic hit, he has been the standout performer, without a doubt. And even though he's both won and lost the WWE title in that time, but he's still going to end the year on top, and rightfully so, in my opinion. I'm just thrilled that Bray Wyatt's finally really had a very, very strong main event match as the Fiend. Mm. Seeing the butchery they've done with the likes of Bray Wyatt, uh, so excuse me, uh, Seth Rollins at the Hell in a Cell, Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. So finally, he's had a deserved match where even though he's lost, he's still, as you mentioned, even though he's lost, even though he's dead, he still feels like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that, that's, that was hard to pull off. That was really hard to pull off. And like you said, if we had said at the start of this, uh, sort of watching the pay-per-view, oh, Randy Orton's going to go on last with Bray Wyatt and he's going to beat him. I think we both would have been like, oh, yeah, classic no. WWE. But the way it happened, no, no complaints. I've completely neglected, obviously. it be interesting to see how Miss Bliss reacts to the death of her um, yes. companion. I hope she makes an appearance on Raw mm-hmm. to, to make a reaction to it, see how she reacts. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued because this has been, I've criticised Raw a lot, but the Orton theme stuff has been one of the aspects that I have thoroughly enjoyed and I hope it continues for the foreseeable future. 100%. Well said. Uh, now, on to go back to the start now, the back of the uh, the, the card. Uh, Drew McIntyre, the WWE champion, took on AJ Styles originally in a one-on-one TLC match for said WWE title. Uh, of course, AJ was uh, along with side his, his henchman, Omos, who's a massive seven-foot imposing figure, very much enjoy everything that he does. Uh, the match itself, while it was one-on-one, was uh, very good. Very good. I enjoyed it. I was enjoying it. Uh, although I did feel as though it was building something, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I thought, ah, they haven't quite got into third or fourth gear just yet. I was wondering, it was slightly pedestrian, you know, not too many high spots going on, not many, too many tables. You look at the main, uh, the, the second main event, excuse me, for the Universal title, that was pure TLC, whereas this one was less focused on the TLC element. And then, uh, it became very evident, Rob, uh, why when uh, The Miz came out with uh, John Morrison. And, uh, of course, yeah, the rest is history. He cashed in the money in the bank. I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be it. But by hook or by crook, it did not happen. Morrison and Miz failed to cash in. And Drew McIntyre eventually came out on top. Now, there are a few things to touch on here. First of all, the match itself. And then we'll talk about the cashing of The Miz. And did you feel it was rushed? Did you feel... You didn't like it or whether you enjoyed it or not. So, but in terms of the match itself, Robbie, what do you think? Was it a good way to start the show? Yeah, no, you've literally taken the words out of my mouth, Andy. Um, good way to start the show. Thoroughly brutal affair, especially between Drew and AJ at the start. Yeah, I agree with you. It did take a while to get going, but some of the spots in it were quite brutal, especially there was one time where um, AJ threw a ladder at Drew's head. Ugh. He it magnificently. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, that is... That is brutal. But um, I think in terms of the match, the thing that stood out for me is that Drew, it showed to me that they still have immense faith in him. The fact that he was able to come out over AJ Styles, who 
is just incredible. He's been one of the greatest wrestlers over the past decades of our generation. Similar to Orson, put him in the ring with anyone, he can make it work. And he did that again yesterday. But Drew came out a bit on top and it made him look incredibly strong. I was glad to see it because it shows they are incredibly invested in him as a WWE champion. Um, I've got notes written down, and it beat my last. I keep looking to my left. I just took notes off TLC. I was that impressed. Good. So much to say. I took notes. Uh, I was impressed with the um, Omos segment. Obviously, when Miz obviously just cashed in, and he had that. Look, it did make me laugh. He had a little smile on his face and climbed the ladder. Yeah. And then when Omos got involved, I, I loved that, and it obviously suggested to me, okay, they do, they do believe in this man. He's obviously been sent to the performance center which obviously, again, suggests that they feel there is something there. I mean, the size of the man is incredible, and they obviously feel he is an asset that they need to take advantage of, and I totally agree with that. So I thoroughly enjoyed that little segment. But at the end of the day, it will be about the money in the bank cashing, which I've seen a lot on Twitter. People have been criticising criticizing how it's been used this year, and we've obviously been vastly critical. But I'd rather not dwell on it too much, to be honest, because I've said all I need to say been a mess since they gave it to Otis in May, to be honest with you, Andy. What do you make of the cash-in? Do you, did you think it was underwhelming? Uh, because, look, we, we, hey, we said it. We could, we could see the Miz potentially cashing mm. in successfully. Well, I could have seen that happening. I didn't think it would be at TLC, but I could have seen it happening. And then when it did happen, I, for a second, I thought, oh, maybe he might do it. But then, you know, the interaction with Omos, and then AJ came back in, and, of course, Drew uh, finished everything off. I do feel like, yeah, the money in the bank did fall flat because, of course, Oscar never had to cash in. She won it by, by proxy, by just winning the match. She won the title after Becky uh, left. And, of course, it, it went through the flux of having Otis, which never felt too serious. We were around it when it was carried by Otis. We never felt like he was really going to challenge for it. Of course, the Miz then picked it up, and then it's just sort of flatlined. And if I have one complaint about TLC, I think it would be that. I think uh, a clutch at straws, but it would be that, just the, the way in which the TLC uh, first match went down with the Money in the Bank contract. It was ever so slightly underwhelming and maybe slightly undervalued the Money in the Bank contract. But then again, it's a different way of using the contract. It's a different right. way of presenting the cash-ins. Oscar never had to cash in and Miz failed. We haven't seen too many failed cash-ins in our time. So I know you said you don't, don't want to dwell on it too much, but is that a sour spot for you, the way they did it? Or do you just think, okay, it's out of our hands now. We don't have to think about it I didn't want to anymore. dwell on it because it is, I just agree with you what you said, that it'd be one of my criticism of it. But I don't want to target it more towards TLC. I just feel they've messed up the whole Money in the Bank thing since they gave it to Otis in May. They obviously then decided to take it off Otis and give it to Miz, who they saw as a safe pair of hands. But I've been saying since he got it, I don't see him as a real legitimate threat. The only reason we ever thought it because obviously we remember when he cashed in 10 years ago and no one really saw him as a threat then. He went on to cash on cash in successfully on Orton. But I feel they just maybe got to the point said, oh, we've just kind of messed it up. Why don't we just have him fail the cash in? And it, yeah. as I said, it works in a way because it made Drew look really strong because he was able to overcome both him and Styles. But the money in contract, money in the bank contract has been used poorly over recent years, Andy. People were making points. Perhaps the last time it was became proper legitimate was when Seth Rollins had it back in 2015, really, yeah. where he was on television every week. But the last few years, I mean, Baron Corbin failed against Jinder Mahal. That was ridiculous. Just a throwaway on the SmackDown. I was like, yeah. oh, that's that. It used to be one of the biggest things, yeah. biggest talking points. And I guess you're right, mainly in 2015. Yeah, that probably was the last major, major cash-in. Yeah, I suppose 
well, Ambrose cashed in immediately after he won it. But apart from that, kind of, I mean, last year, Bailey cashed on the night, which was cool for me, obviously, because I love those bits. The Brock thing, yeah, it was cool at the time, but he wasn't really meant to be in the match. And yeah. Yeah, it was just a bit terrible. And this year, again, yeah, we get the Oscar thing, but giving it to Otis, we loved it at the time, it was a mistake. But I suppose the bottom line is Money in the Bank cashing is meant for a live audience as well. I mean, you look back, when Dolph Ziggler cashed in was one of the biggest yes. pops of all time. They do rely on the crowd a lot of the time. So maybe they just, I think they just got to the point and said, why don't we just do it? And I don't particularly mind that. I think they just accepted they've messed it up entirely since May. And we'll just scrap it and then we'll go again in May with people who are actually legitimate threats to the titles. They should really pay more attention to it in May. And actually give it to people who, it's a good opportunity to give it to someone who is in need of a push or deserves a push, isn't it? because they can then float in the background and then it gives the opportunity to someone who cash in who you wouldn't perhaps expect. But they've just messed it up entirely. But I'm not going to let it dampen TLC too much because I think it, 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 was a, it was about the only criticism I have of the pay-per-view as a whole. Yeah. But I said, I think it's been... I've been criticising for how they've used the money in the bank contract since they gave it to Otis in May. So I don't really want to criticise it anymore. Be honest, it's been a mess from start to finish. I'm kind of glad it's just out the way now, Andy. And we can yeah. just focus on other stuff. I genuinely, I'd, I'd, I'd postpone it next year. I don't think I'd, I think it'd mm. give it a year off. They did that with the Elimination Chamber, and when it came back, everyone was very happy to see it again. So mm. I think they should just do that. Give it a year where Thanks nothing happens. You have the Royal Rumble. That's that's a that's a big enough opportunity. It's always strange yeah. that you have another one later on in the year. So uh, I, I'd, I'd probably ditch it for next year. Bring it back back in 2022. We'll be very happy to see it. Live crowds should be back in full force. You know, happy yeah. days. Uh, next, we had another match that was highly anticipated, and in my opinion, did deliver. It was Sasha Banks taking on Carmella the SmackDown women's title. Carmella was flanked by uh, Reginald, her, her sommelier, which is a Hawaiian expert. She's a gimmick that I love about Carmella. I think she's really taken to her own and uh, is very successful in this new gimmick. And uh, it was a very back and forth match. Carmella certainly got a lot of offense in, a lot more than people would have expected. But you can't forget, you know, former SmackDown women's champion, this new heel turn. She's, she's had the better of banks in their exchanges on SmackDown in the previous month. So uh, it was only a matter of time before they came one-on-one against each other at a big pay-per-view match. This did happen, and in the end, I think we all predicted it, Sasha did retain, which is great to see once again her picking up another dub as a women's champion, which we just haven't seen from her in her previous uh, reigns as a Raw women's champion. Uh, this match, yeah, it delivered Rob. She won by the uh, by submission after a few shenanigans on the outside by Reginald, who sort of, you know, popped Carmella up. And a few times the commentators did a really smart job, Michael Cole especially, of uh, bigging up the fact that, hey, surely this guy should being sent to back or disqualified or something because he was getting involved quite a lot. But uh, in the end, good good sense prevailed and Sasha did come out on top. Uh, what do you make of this one? I loved it, Andy. I thought it was a really, really good match between the two and I think it summed up a really good and enjoyable feud between the two. Um, throughout the match, you could sense the stain between each other, which they have gotten across really well in the feud and how much both of them wanted to, um, obviously, Banks hold on to the belt and Carmella. Carmella win it um, respectively, but I think both came out of it looking really strong. And there was a part of me that if Carmella won the belt, I wouldn't be too disappointed because I think she's been booked really, really strongly since she's come back. And I think she has taken to this heel role really well. I think she is more naturally a heel. I mean, she was heel when she won the belt in the first place. She turned face. It never really worked out for her. She did an all right job, but she was always kind of on the fringes of things. She turns heel and she's already in. 
main event picture, isn't she? And I thought it was a really good match. Great pace to it. As you said, a good back and forth between the two. But the right women, woman did win in the end, Sasha Banks, who I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of. Obviously, now she's making appearances on The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, which just puts her over even more in my books, getting involved in the Star Wars universe. So, mm. can I have a little criticism of her? And I think Carmela suffered perhaps um, from the fact that Banks is just getting started, I think, as SmackDown Women's Champion. This was later down the line. They may well have gone down the route of Carmella beating her, because I think they booked Carmella really strongly, but Banks deserves a legitimate title reign. We've said this over the past few weeks. She could hold it to Mania, if not past that. So, um, I think it would be harsh on her to take the belt off her, but I wouldn't have had too many complaints if Carmella had won, which I think shows how well booked this match was and I thoroughly enjoyed it Andy really good match uh, just finally I, I'm finding it slightly tricky now to think what's next for both women because of course well Sasha it's easier because she has plenty of we talked about the women on Smackdown yeah. they're, as they're, they're miles ahead of Raw in terms of uh, personnel uh, well they kind of were until a later match but we'll come on to that um, but for Carmella I'm thinking okay now now what do you do do you have a feud mm. with someone on the Smackdown roster I know there's, yeah. there's Billy Kay who actually I think is one of the best those entertaining things about the mm-hmm. show at the moment. Billy yeah. Cameron, thoroughly enjoying what she's doing with her uh, her resume. And actually, when they broke up the Iconics, the idea was that Peyton Royce was meant to be the, the sort of the mm. one that goes out and becomes a star. When actually, Billy Kay's the one that I'm most impressed with at the moment. She is actually having things to do. Uh, but that's, that's a side note. But for, as for Carmella, what do you reckon? I mean, you know, Belair and Bailey are sort of tied up with each other at the moment. What can you see Carmella doing well, now that she's lost her big title match? Uh, well... You obviously mentioned Belair there. In terms of Banks, Belair remains my pick for the Rumble, and I think Belair Banks is in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. And Banks is fine. I think she can work with anyone. But Carmella, I hope she doesn't disappear off television because I've been so impressed with her. I didn't think she was going to win the belt, and she didn't. But I hope she remains prominent on television. But yeah, a feud with Billy Kay, Andy. I think I'd like to see her maybe come out on Friday and say. So she should be giving it the big and saying she's untouchable. Obviously, Banks got the better of her and beat her via submission in the end. And maybe she goes around destroying some people on SmackDown. But yeah, a feud with Billy Kay, I think, could be really entertaining. I think it could be a huge boost for Billy Kay as well. I think, again, with SmackDown, their women's division isn't the greatest, but you're getting to see a lot of them flourish because they've not filtered, they've not littered it with loads and loads of superstars. Mm. I think we're going to see a lot of them flourish. I mean, the Belair-Bailey feud is another example of that, because there's not that many of them. Even Liv Morgan and Ubi Riot are making sporadic appearances, right. and now people are touting them to get involved with the Women's Tag Team Championship soon. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I've loved the Billy Kay segments. Peyton Royce has been stuck in the tag team with Lacey Evans, but Billy Kay, a little segment about then, yeah, they've been brilliant. They've broken up I've just added to what have been brilliant SmackDown shows, to be yeah. honest, having her little comedian elements to it. But yeah, as long as I just don't want Carmella to disappear off television, I'd be disappointed if that was the case. But yeah. the way SmackDown's been going, they've not been getting many things wrong recently, so I hope they don't mess up on that department. I agree. And because of the fact that Carmella's such a good heel, and actually I think Betty Kay has a lot of room to become a good baby yeah. face, but she's very entertaining, very funny, and she could get sympathy with this whole resume thing, trying to get her mm. spot. I think that could really work very strongly. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd love to see that. Absolutely. Why not? As long as both women are busy, I'm happy. Uh, right, match number four. Now, this one was one I was very, very, very excited for, purely because it involved the Hurt Business, and I just love everything about the Hurt Business, especially... A big fan of Shelton Benjamin, who is one of the all-time most underrated guys in the world. And finally, he gets a bit 
of recognition uh, in the form of gold round his waist, as predicted by you and I, Robbie. The Hurt Business defeated the New Day to become the Raw Tag Team Champions. And this wasn't just a basic win. It wasn't just a, a good tag team uh, beat another good tag team. The finish was especially in, intelligent booking-wise because it, it sowed a little seed, I think, for later on down the line where Shelton Benjamin was ready to hit the painter and his, his finishing manoeuvre when Cedric tagged himself in hit his finishing manoeuvre, the Lombard check on Kofi and picked up the one, two, three in Shelton's face. Despite the fact he just won a tag team title for the first time in over 10 years, he, he looked a bit miffed almost. He was a bit like, okay, well, that was my win, but fair enough. What'd you make of this? New tag team champions. Uh, right decision. I think we agreed going into it. I think they had, had to win the belts. So time and time again, if not them, then who? They're going to take the belts off New Day, but they got it right. Very good match, really good match. Um, obviously not the strongest on the card, but it was in the middle, broke up nicely, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. it had a good pace to it, and the finish I agree with you, Andy. I thought was very, very intelligent. It does plant those little seeds of doubt in your mind that perhaps everything isn't quite right in the hurt business because ultimately they are a team of heels, and there usually are cracks in team heels where everything is um, always going swimmingly in teams. But um, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's good to see them have all the gold. But I'm a huge fan of Cedric Alexander. And I did like that he took control for the finish. And I think his finisher is really brutal. It is. And, and he's kind of been presented a bit of the maverick of the group, hasn't he? He's obviously the youngest. The other three are hugely experienced in terms. You only have to look at their, their resumes across um, wrestling history, where Cedric Alexander is just really getting started, to be honest. But it was very intelligent. And the right team won, Andy. New Day... I, I don't sound harsh, but there is a point where they get not stale, but it's got to point where they're kind of just giving them the belts for the sake of it, which isn't their fault. And don't be wrong, they have been one of the best tag teams of the last 10 years. I mean, 10 times champion speaks for itself, but you shouldn't just let them have the belts because they are the new day. I think the mm. Hurt Business are the right people to give it to. And again, similar to what I said about Randy Orton and the Fiends, Hurt Business is one of the few things that I enjoy about Raw, so I'm glad they've got even more gold to add to their already illustrious collection. Indeed. And that was a good point on the New Day. I don't think stale is the right word, as you said. I think repetitive yeah. might be. Yeah. Ever so slightly repetitive, repetitive at times. And go. think you want something fresh and new for them, which I hope they do get, because, of course, Big E is going doing bigger and better things now. So I wonder yeah. what uh, Kofi and Woods have in the future. But, yeah, hats off to Hurt Business. Very happy for them. Uh, good for Cedric, young up-and-coming star, and good recognition for Shelton Benjamin, 45 years of age. He doesn't look it. He doesn't look at no, all. He still moves around like uh, he did uh, 15 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, very I happy I mean, he has him. sat around for about 15 years, to be fair, not doing anything. Very so true. He's making up for lost time, isn't he? He is. But, um, and he's, yeah, done very well. well. I suppose the question is, can they... I mean, we've said it. They've obviously got everything bar the World Championship. I think both agree none of them are quite there yet. I don't the think MVP's they need to be either. No, I don't... Cause, MVP is the one with no gold, but then he's kind. He's the one who's kind of brought them together, and he's kind of like yeah. a proud, my father figure, looking on them and saying, he's more "I." He's the manager, I, isn't he? Yeah, he's. So I think I don't think they need a big one at the moment. I'm no. quite. I think they've got enough there, and I'm glad to see them with all the gold. To be honest, Andy, yeah. it's a case of who's gonna who's gonna threaten them. Well, we'll see soon. Hopefully, I mean, Raw's a three-hour yeah. show, so if they don't get any challenges, then something's going very wrong. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll see that. But it's a very stacked uh, mid-card in Raw, but a bit bit too heavy at times. But uh, yeah. there are plenty of people that could go for the Raw tag team title, so we'll, we'll wait to see what happens. But from one tag team title match 
to another. This was for the women's tag team titles. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, the champions, taking on Oscar and a mystery partner. We saw, as I mentioned, Billy Kay earlier on uh, came to the segment with Oscar, handing the resume saying, I could be a tag team partner, you know, former tag champ. She said, thank you, but the position's already been filled. And we thought, okay, who's it going to be? And Robbie, I've got to hand it to you, mate. You called it. You said Charlotte Flair. And what do we see? We saw Charlotte Flair. And you know what? It was great to see her back. It really was a great thrill. Uh, I was talking to Connor when he saw it. Connor said he was, he was thrilled to see her back. He, he thought she looked great. And she did. She didn't really miss a beat. She looked uh, just the same Charlotte Flair as always. Now, they won the belts. Oscar and Charlotte won the belts. They are now the uh, women's tag team champs, which makes Oscar, Oscar two belts. She has the Raw women's and the uh, women's tag titles around her waist. Now... This one, despite loving the match, very much enjoying it, I do wonder what the motives are. Oscar now has two belts when, even with one, she appeared to not really be doing much. She was quite an underwhelming Raw Women's Champion. Now she's got two belts. Charlotte's only just come back. We don't know whether she's a hero or a face. She acts quite facey. She was hugging Oscar and all that sort of thing, despite the fact they have a massive history uh, of, mm. of matches with one another, where you know Charlotte's usually got the better of Oscar. So... What do you make of it? Are you? Is it? A, it's more. I think it's a question of there are more questions than answers at the minute. But I'm kind of looking forward to unpicking them and finding out what's what. Yeah. Is that your assessment as well? Well, again, it makes me quite excited for Raw, Andy. And she's she's needed on Raw. She yeah. really is. They've needed some star power injected into it, and they've had it. I mean, this match alone, I wasn't really excited for it. But as soon as she came out, it suddenly became this quite quality matchup to be honest, some real quality women superstars involved with it. And she looked incredible, to be fair. She, I mean, she's been gone, what, since June, July? Yeah. And, but she looked in incredible shape when she got back into the ring and deservedly. I think as soon as she came out, she wasn't going to lose on her return, was she? So I knew as soon as she came out, OK, they're going to win the belts here. And, yeah, it's an interesting... I'm quite excited for the dynamic between the two because, as you said, Oscar and her have such a huge history and they've put on some of the greatest women's matches of recent years. Um, I mean, they one at WrestleMania 34, and then the one where Flair took the title off her just before WrestleMania Smart 35. Down. Brilliant. Yeah. So, um, interesting dynamic. Yeah, she kind of gave off face vibes, which is strange for me because since I've started watching, I've literally just seen her as a heel, mm. and she does a brilliant job as a heel. So, interesting to see how that plays out. But you would imagine it won't be too long before I, I can't see her staying face for too long. She'll be gunning for that. No. There was a bit at the end where she was kind of glancing at Oscar. I couldn't quite, if she was just looking at Oscar to say, I'm, I'm proud we did this, or she was looking at her. Line her up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, because um, I'm sure it won't be long before she's gunning for that title. So don't particularly mind, Andy. I know we've seen Oscar and Flair a few times before, but at the end of the day, you know the two will put on an incredible match at the end of the day. And she's a, a genuine contender for Oscar's title, title, which we've been crying out for. But, um, be rude to neglect the other two women in this match. Obviously, they're both now no longer tag team champions. And looking at it, I can't get out of my head the thought of possibly a fatal four-way between the two or maybe kick Jax out of it and then have Baszler, Flair and Oscar a triple threat. Mm. That's mouth-watering stuff. Because, yeah. I, I don't know disrespect to Jax, but in terms of wrestling ability, she's slightly inferior to the other three. Yeah. There, there was many slight criticism in this match as well that Baszler took the pin bit frustrated about that but then she didn't kind of see the natural selection coming which you never really do mm. and I kind of thought they might have Flair give Jax a pin because obviously Jax is the one that 
kind of um, injured first. She was written off television in the first place, that's how they played it. So, um, but I was just glad to see her back on television and be over the moon because, I mean, 12 times women champion speaks for itself. And now she's Grand Slam women's champion. So um, she's won them all and deservedly so. But I'm excited for the dynamic between the two. It makes the tag team belts more relevant as well, Andy, giving it to Raw Women's Champion Charlotte Flair, who are two of the greatest wrestlers over the last five years in terms of women's division. So, um, yeah, I think we predicted Baszler and um, Jax. But if I knew Flair was going to be in it, yeah. I obviously did guess that. But um, I kind of just went off a name that came into my head, to be honest. I didn't have any idea she was going to. I, re- I said Flair just because you put me on the spot. And I read afterwards, obviously, people saying she might come back. And I was like, oh. That's quite a good shout from me. Yeah, the end, and she fair. did. She did come back. And yeah, I'm excited to see where this um, leads. But I, I'm sure she's not going to stay. I, I mean, we don't know if she is face, but she gave off face sort of vibes, didn't she? Mm. But she's naturally a heel at the end yeah. of the day. Same and as Carmella. She does a decent job yeah. as a face, but she's a heel at heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, wait to see on that one. But I do think it might be a bit... Of, a, of an issue for Oscar that she's got two belts because especially like I said the, her Raw Women's title yeah. reign was underwhelming now she's got another title to defend I wonder if it's all going to be a bit much and it's going to get quite convoluted but I do like the idea of a fatal four way and you know I get Ripley in there as well you know we've been saying it for ages the yeah. fact that Ripley is ever so slightly in limbo slightly at the moment on NXT she has a ready made match with Baszler her, her and her that would be just a pure powerhouse plus she has a history of Charlotte Flair hoping to rewrite that wrong at Mania and I think Ripley versus Oscar would be awesome. So I'd love to get those uh, Ripley involved and make it some sort of fatal four-way deal going on. You know, have them drop the women's tag team titles at some point and then have, just have a melee for the war women's title. That way you can reinvigorate interest in that raw division and uh, put some respect back on that title's name because since Becky's lost it, it hasn't really, uh, really lived up to uh, where right. she had it. Uh, and it was a, definitely a main event title. Now it just seems like more of an accessory, which it shouldn't be. Title should never be an accessory. It should always be a title, which is what they are built to be. But uh, yeah, not too many complaints. Look forward to seeing where it goes. Make sure you tune into Raw because you know that's where it's going to go down. Uh, and finally, Robbie, the uh, the not the main event, the penultimate match, the semi main event, shall we say, a TLC match for the Universal Championship. This is the feud that we were most engaged with, I think, before this uh, pay per view went on the air. The one that we were most excited for. Roman Reigns taken on Kevin Owens and uh, did not disappoint. This was one of the most brutal and destructive TLC matches I've seen in a, a good few years. Every single part of the ringside area was trashed. The announce table, the, uh, the timekeeper's area, the barricade was broken in. Tables galore, chairs galore, ladders all over the place. It was just an absolute melee, but it was fantastic to watch. And Kevin, hats off to him, despite not picking up the win. He just looked like an absolute star. And what a babyface performance from Kevin Owens. Usually we associate him with being a heel, but, you know, he got an unbelievable amount of sympathy in that match from me, and I'm sure you as well. Um, and there were times where I thought, could he? Could he do it? And there were, there were, it was very, very tense at times. But, of course, Roman uh, did get the dub in the end with a lot of help from Jey Uso. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a fantastic match. And if this was the main event, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had that many complaints because it did. Uh, have, a, have a real good feel to it. Uh, what do you make of this one? Did it live up to the hype? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Summed up the feud, Andy, which has been deeply personal, passionate, emotional. It fitted with the idea that Kevin Owens has become this baby face that we've all loved, the idea that he will just not lie down. And that was clear throughout the match. And Roman Reigns, who was just, can't, can't do any wrong, any Roman Reigns, anyone who doesn't, 
respect and rate what he is currently doing in the business is a, is a fool and an idiot <laughs> most of you but um you could see from the crowd reaction similar to me that there are people who were cheering kevin owens on to get the get the job done i feel if people were in in the stadium they would have all been cheering for kevin owens to win the title long term as i said in our predictions last week it wouldn't have made sense but i probably would have cheered it if it had happened but Similar to the Banks Carmella kind of thing, I think Kevin Owens has suffered from the fact that Roan Reigns is literally just getting started. Same to Sasha Banks. If this was like in a year's time, maybe, then I could have seen and would have been content with Owens winning the belt mm. because I think he's done an immense job as a baby face. And it was just a deeply brutal match. My only query is that, I don't know, Jay Uso winds me up. Stop getting involved. He's like a little cockroach, isn't he? No matter how many times you think you got rid of him, he keeps coming back. I think they've done a brilliant job of me really disliking him. Mm. I felt so sympathetic for him during, obviously, when Reigns used to kill him only a few weeks ago. Since he's kind of become part of his entourage, then um, he restarts to find him very irritating. But I cannot wait for when his brother returns, which is supposedly... Not too far away. In January, we're meant to get him back. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and then the possibility of them perhaps going after Street Profits and having killed Usos is a very Ooh. good shout. But um, going back to the Reigns Owens match, it was brilliant and it would have been a worthy main event. We obviously have already spoken about why Orton Fiends was ending the show because I don't think he could have carried on after that. But it was, it was just a deeply brutal affair. And I thought the finish as well. I thought that was incredibly done. That sort of submission technique that he does and just threw Owens to the floor, making him completely pass out on the floor. But the feud isn't done there, Andy. And I'm happy with that. To be honest, I'm happy with it going a bit longer. So I don't want either of them, to, well, Reigns is going to disappear, but I don't want Kevin Owens to disappear to the back just yet because I think he's come out of this looking absolutely incredible. Reigns obviously is still the champion, but I think, our good friend Alex McCarthy tweeted saying Kevin Owens is a superstar out of yeah. that match. And fair play to Reigns because he did a brilliant job of obviously making himself look strong, but then making Kevin Owens look equally as incredible. And it was just a brilliant matchup between two incredibly talented superstars, Andy, who deserve all the plaudits that they're getting. Absolutely. And uh, you're right to say this is not over because uh, WWE announced earlier on today that they will have a steel cage match. Roman and Kevin will have a steel cage match on SmackDown this Friday. So, uh, again, just another reason the SmackDown is just doing the right thing because after that match, you wanted more. We felt that Kevin wasn't done because Kevin, if you, if you remember, at the, one of the final shots uh, of that segment was uh, Kevin. He was sort of knelt down on the outside. He wasn't on the floor, passed out. He was still... Uh, conscious he was still around sort of thing and that was the whole point that Roman wants to keep uh, Owens down but can't do it and so that sets up perfectly for Friday you'd expect Roman to win again but you know I think I think either either way yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that and uh, yeah still cage match on Friday looking forward to that one yeah uh, and that was TLC Robbie it was it was in my opinion you know I'm gonna go out and limb here WrestleMania was great of course, it was. Of course, it wasn't the WrestleMania we wanted. It wasn't in the Thunderdome. It was one of the first events they did in this uh, lockdown setting back at Performance Center. I enjoyed Mania. I think the top pay per view of this year was actually the Rumble right at the very start. I thought nothing could touch the Rumble. Yeah. This has been my second, very close second actually, second favorite pay per view of the year because I think everything banged, and you know we're clutching at straws for the criticisms. Uh, I loved every match. Uh, every story was told very strongly. Some of them will continue. Some of them won't. And that's what you want out of pay for you. You want a bit of finality, but you want a bit of um, of a cliffhanger as well. And I think this had it. So that's my number two pay for you of the year, TLC. It's very strange as well. The first and the last were both my uh, my top two. It's yeah, very interesting I, that you know that I happened. I disagree with you there, Andy. I 
I just loved it. And it, I mean, I said the card, some of those matches wouldn't look out of place on the WrestleMania. They really wouldn't. They're the highest, highest quality. One of the best yeah. cards I've seen since I started watching. If you go back to some of the pay-per-views you've been treated to, they've been horrible, horrible cards. You, We forget that people pay to watch these. We obviously share the network between yeah. me, you and Connor. But I, w- I would pay to watch that over and over again, what we got last night. And it just leaves us going into the new year on a positive note and it ends a pretty shitty year for everyone yeah. in terms of wrestling but it leaves us feeling much more positive and now we can look forward to the Rumble which is just around the corner so good time to be a fan of wrestling Indeed. Uh, now of course in our previous episode Robbie we, uh, we made our predictions uh, of course for the coveted Monday Night Gore Predictions Championship. Uh, whoever gets the most predictions right wins the, the title and uh, the results are in Robbie, you scored four correct predictions, and I scored four correct predictions, meaning that this week is a draw, and if my calculations are correct, that means that the champion retains his belt. So I am still the Monday Night Gore predictions champion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Better luck next time, kid. Did I I draw because I decided to pick AJ just to make it more interesting? That is literally the only reason why. Otherwise, you would be the new. (laughs) Oh, that's a joke. Yes. That's a joke. That (laughs) That was the reason. Otherwise, you'd be the new predictions champion. Oh, we got the women's tag team wrong. Oh, we got Fiend Orton wrong as well, didn't we? Of course. Yeah. But of course, you got Charlotte right. So if you got Charlotte right and if you you stuck with McIntyre, you would have won the title. That's I'm sorry. Now you know you can't. You gotta be. You gotta be ruthless in your predictions next time. Oh, no, no, no. Don't bother. You, just, you gotta do what you can to win. That's what I did. That's why I'm still yeah. the champ. But next time, Robbie, I, I reckon the Rumble will be a real top prediction special. <laughs> That'll be a hard one because the Rumble's hard to call anyway. And uh, this, yeah, I'm sure next year will be no exception. Yeah. Uh, so from that, we go to our, our, our very favourite segment: the Power of Five. wrestlers of the week Robbie and I think this is more or less just going to be a, a TLC special I've got one team yeah. uh, in mind that isn't from uh, uh, TLC but apart from that I think yeah because it's such a good show it's, it's got to be a pretty much an exclusive list this one I will make my, uh, my my top five for you my power of five at number five this is the one that isn't from TLC it's Death Triangle Pack Penta and Fenix. I just thought on Dynamite they were you know, great Pack services has come back he's looked wonderful and I am thoroughly enjoying this little dynamic they got going with Eddie Kingston, Butcher and the Blade, and even Lance Archer. I think it's very interesting, one of the more entertaining parts of Dynamite. That's why they make my top five and my top four now. Yeah, all TLC, of course. And it's hard to rank them because it's such a good show. But at number four is Charlotte Flair. She made her her great return. She, uh, she of course, got the, uh, the one, two, three, which gave her the uh, tag team belt, becoming, as you mentioned, Rob, a Grand Slam champion in the process. Great to see her back. She'll boost Raw to no end. So she's my number four at three. I could have put Kevin Owens higher. I really could have done because of the sympathy he gained and the, the, the emotions he, he went through. But I'm going to stick with him at number three. Uh, a fantastic performance, star-making performance, as if he wasn't already a star. Just even more so for me. And uh, at number two, despite uh, losing his life in this one, I've gone for The Fiend, which is rare to have a main event guy, uh, a main event player lose in the main event and still make my number two. It's quite quite... A, Quite an indicator that this was a fantastic main event. 
really. He comes out of it looking incredibly strong, even though he's dead. Exactly. He's left a hell of a legacy. He's the right. only man that can own his own death, but he is my number two. <laughs> and at number one, it's Mr. 2020, Randy Orton, just because of his performance. His facial visuals were extraordinary. And the only reason he went ahead of the field is just because he won. That's the only reason why. And he came out uh, on top, despite the fact I'm sure he's being investigated uh, for murder. Yeah. Uh, so that I is my so. power of five list. Robbie, over to you. Well, my power of five simply consists of uh, people who played a huge part in an incredible TLC pay-per-view, mainly because it's fresh in my mind. And when a pay-per-view takes place, all our attention is on that. So number five is Mr. Drew McIntyre, mm. who uh, held on to his WWE belts and comes out of it looking incredibly strong. I think, as I said, he overcame AJ Styles and uh, The Miz to cash his money bank contract. Wouldn't be opposed to seeing a one-on-one match now between Drew and Styles, because I think in terms of pure wrestling, I think they could put on a hell of a match then too. So if decides to go down that route, or obviously the Sheamus route, potentially a route to go down, but the future looks quite bright for Drew at the moment after obviously losing the title only a month or so ago. So he seems to be back back on track now, which is positive. Number four is uh, I've gone for Carmella. Obviously didn't win, but yeah. uh, full of praise for her performances. I think she's been put very strongly, and I think she has taken to her heel role very very well and again I think it's quite for her as long as she isn't chucked to the back which I do fear but I don't think will happen. Number three is Cedric Alexander, nice. a hugely talented young wrestler who took control in the tag team match of New Day and obviously got the finish which is a brutal finisher which I'm a huge fan of. I'm excited for his future and obviously he has now got his, he might have won the 24-7 belt but I don't catch that, mm. count that at all. His first proper legitimate title in WWE along with Shelton Benjamin. So again, future right for him, hopefully. Number two is Roman Reigns. Mm. Uh, him and Owens doesn't make my list, even though I love the man's pieces, but he's not a place on this one, but it's Roman Reigns because he's head of the table. Smackdown is good, it's incredible, but without him, it wouldn't be the same because he is currently the hottest thing in wrestling, no question. End of that. And number one is Randy Orton. Because there are a few men who could kill a man and still come out <laughs> getting praised by everyone. Yeah. He'll probably get away with it, Andy, because he's Randy Orton and he's the GOAT of wrestling. Indeed. So that's my power of five. Randy Orton is a killer, but I love him pieces. Love that, Robbie. Actually, it shows the quality of TLC that yeah. we only had one man in that entire list that we shared. That's how, that's how good that card was. It was- Quality. Everyone played their part, Andy. The rest of the wrestling was still quality. I can't find fault in anyone who was on the card. I really can't. Except no Byron Saxton, because he's just really annoying. But yeah. 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 Jay. I'm clutching at straws. Yeah. Andy, I'm clutching at straws. Right, Robbie, to close out the show, a very, very quick discussion on Raw. I'm not going to go to the card that happened on Monday. It doesn't, it's irrelevant now, especially after the, the stuff that happened on yeah. TLC. It's mainly about reaction to the news that Raw had their lowest ever rating in history. It was around 1.5, the lowest ever rating in their, what, 27 years on the air, which is, which is quite striking. Uh, USA Network is allegedly... Very unhappy with this, as you can imagine. It's their network. They're the ones paying to you know, put it on their, on their station. Very unhappy. In fact, AEW Dynamite, which has only been on the air for just over a year, beat Raw in certain demos. The 18-49 demos often seen as the most important. They have been beating Raw in that the past couple of weeks, I believe. 
So that's quite striking. And they, of course, want to change that. So one of the words from the USA Network is they want more adult content. I put in inverted commas. Whatever that means, uh, of course, adult content, WWE is a PG product. It used to be a TV 40, which is kind of the equivalent of a 12 film in the, this country, maybe a 15 if you're going to push the boat out. Um, what would you take of that, Rob, more adult content? Because if, if a man setting another man on, on fire and burning him to death is an adult content, I don't know what is. Is that an indicator that Raw are listening to their network and saying, all right, you want adult content, we'll give you adult content. What would you reckon? Well, I hope it's going to go down the route of stuff like setting people on fire. I hope <laughs> it's not going to be the route of shitty weddings and no. sex scenes on WWE, which they've obviously gone down the route of before. I hope it's more brutality, which is mm -hmm. what we want to see in a wrestling ring. But in terms of the ratings themselves, I think hopefully it's a reality check for Raw, because let's be honest, it's shit. It, it, it's awful. There are very few positives. I think the positives were highlighted on um, the CLC card, yeah. Hurt Business, Awesome Fiends and McIntyre as well, but there are very few positives. They fill it with some garbage. It's too long. Maybe they should look at shortening it as well, because SmackDown have an hour and a half, and they use their time superbly. I've said SmackDown is currently probably my favourite show, but Raw is just so far off the pace in terms of it at the moment, and hopefully these ratings are reality check and show that they need to pull their finger out and start improving. They haven't got any competition on Mondays either. That's the embarrassing thing as well. They've got occasional Monday night football games, which are big. But, for example, yeah. on some of the non-big Monday night football games, the equivalent of Burnley versus, I don't know, Sheffield United, yeah. they should be pulling in more viewers, it's but they're just not. Yeah, it's a supposed flagship show, isn't it, Andy, of um, WWE? It's just not yeah. living up to the hype at the moment. I, I, I've had it on the background a lot of the time, but I lose I've drifting and out of it Andy because it's too long and a lot of it it's just I've no interest in it Andy they just don't use the time effectively it's just not been good enough well it's the only show that is below par but I enjoyed they had four matches on the TLC card as opposed to Smackdown's two and I enjoyed their four matches so hopefully that is show that they are going to show signs of improvement but um they need to pull their finger out Andy as simple as but these ratings could be the best thing for them in the long run. It may not seem at the moment because obviously the people who are USA Network aren't particularly pleased and understandably, but hopefully they will start to improve. They've got the talent there, Andy. It's just a case of putting together the right storylines and putting on good matches. It's not hard to do. Andy, we, we were pleased with what we saw at TLC and it was simply because it's all brilliant wrestling and brilliant storytelling. It's not hard. You just need to do it properly. And hopefully they will start to improve. And if Raw can become good, then... Brilliant, isn't it? We've got AEW, Raw, SmackDown, NXT at the top of their game, and even Impact Wrestling as well that we have yeah. to watch now as well. So, um, yeah, it would be brilliant if we all can step up and compete with the other ones. So, um, hopefully, they're going to improve over the recent weeks and months. It just needs to, for me, ditch the three hours. It, it just kills. It just, it just really kills the show. It's far too long. Two hours, it's proven with SmackDown. SmackDown's getting decent ratings. It's a better show. Dynamite is doing really, really strongly. That's mm. the market. That's, people don't want, unless it's a pay-per-view, you don't want to be sat watching a no. three-hour show weekly. You just don't want to do it. It's ridiculous. And when you do that, you just fill it with mundane crap which they have been doing. So if they want more yeah. adult content, that's all well and good. Get a bit more of an AEW edge, with a bit more blood, a bit more swearing, yeah. a bit more serious storylines. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have a three-hour show to produce. And I just don't think that yeah. adult content is going to save a show when it's just too long in the first place. 
it just it baffles me that, that they still have it insist on this three hour format it just doesn't work it hasn't worked for a good few years now it's just too top heavy and yeah something needs to change because i'm seriously losing interest in raw and uh that shouldn't be the case it's yeah. a flagship show they should be the big one they should be the standard bearer but they're just really not and that, that needs to change but as you mentioned robbie hopefully this will be the slap in the face that they need to change yeah. it and turn it around because otherwise their network might be saying are we really paying all this money to put this on uh, our prime time slot for 1.5 million views is that it so mm. hopefully we will uh, see the, the the benefits of that decision coming into full effect soon but until then we can only watch and uh, and hate the product but we didn't hate TLC. We loved TLC. Despite the fact a man lost his life, we still found it incredibly entertaining. Yeah. And it leaves us with uh, a good taste in our mouth, Robbie, and a, and a desire to watch uh, the next week of content to see what comes next and the build-up to the Royal Rumble. Uh, so that is it for this episode. And Robbie, uh, Connor should be back with us next week. He did mention uh, a possible awards show for our next episode in which we will, uh, we will give awards to various wrestlers throughout the year 2020 as, as next week will be our final episode of the year 2020 where we'll attempt to put some bit of gloss on what has been a pretty naff year uh, we'll have a match of the year category a superstar of the year category a show of the year category all that kind of thing and we will have that next week on monday night gore uh, look forward to that robbie that should be a nice little concept shouldn't it yeah i'm i'm being positive and it's been a shit shit year but wrestling has got me through it and at the end of the day obviously it is on a lot take raw out the equation it's got me through it and the constant shows and pay-per-views obviously there is a lot of it but it's past the time so um i love it andy it's a brilliant time to be a wrestling fan not watching wrestling watch it because they've managed to make a very good situation out of not having fans so fair Fair play, and I'm positive, Andy, and onto the Rumble we go. Lovely stuff. Fingers crossed it'll be one to remember. But yeah, do tune in to us next week for the Monday Night Gore uh, uh, 2020 year-end awards. Do follow us on Twitter for updates on that. Uh, you could vote, I think. I think we'll open some polls for, for who you want to win certain uh, categories. Uh, at Monday Night Gore on Twitter, capital M, capital N, capital G. But from me, Connor, who is working, and Robbie, we wish you a very good night, and thank you for listening. We will see you next time.